0: So this morning's scripture reading uh, spoke to me you know, kind of evidently this week. Uh, Hudson and Grayson, over the past, uh, over the pandemic, one of the hobbies that they've picked up is surfing. And so we got them new surfboards for uh, their like Christmas, or not Christmas gift, for their birthday gifts uh, back in like October, November time. And, you know, and so they've been having some, uh, like watching the World Surf League online and doing different things. And so they're exploring this whole new world that they didn't really know before. And for Christmas, uh, Hudson had gotten a, a couple Vans t shirts. And so if you're not familiar, Vans is a skateboarding company, but they also dabble in um, surfing, but they mostly do attire and other things like that. And so I, I was trying to explain to Hudson how a skateboard company uh, could also be a surf company, and um, all of a sudden I had this like mind blowing moment because I told the kids I go, you know, but guys, you know, Vans is in all sorts of other like areas, right? They also make like snowboarding boots, and they're like, really, it does? And I go, yeah, and actually, up in the attic, Dad has a snowboard from when I was, you know, living in uh, mainland in California, and we would go up into Big Bear and the Mammoth and other places. And I have my snowboard, and it's up there, and I have Vans boots, and they're like, wait, you have a snowboard, and it's you're in Hawaii. Why do you have a snowboard? And I was like, well, you know, we didn't want to go back somewhere else to get a board when we wanted to go to the mountains, so we thought maybe we would just bring it here. Of course, over the past four and a half years that we've been in Hawaii, we have never used that snowboard at all. And in fact, before that, I wasn't using that snowboard either. I'd got it in high school, and I'd saved up all sorts of money to like get like the fancy boots and the fancy bindings, which are what like what you strap your feet into. But more recently, I was living in Japan, and there I didn't bring my board with me, and I was borrowing a friend's who happened to be a professional snowboarder. So I hadn't taken this board out of the bag in uh, seven years easily. But we've moved it around from house to house to house, and even all the way from North Carolina to Hawaii. And I took it out, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be awesome. The kids are going to be mind-blown. They're going to be able to put on my boots and bindings, and they're going to play around with this snowboard take it out of the bag, and literally, I try to open up the binding to get a boot in, and crack. (laughs) It's just, the plastic was so brittle from moving, from all of these years that, like, literally, all of a sudden, it just started to fall apart, and then the boys put their feet into uh, the boots, because they thought it was gonna be so cool, and then all of a sudden, they're like, dad, it's sticky, and come to find out the glue had, like, saturated the soles of the boots, and, like, it was just, like, gluey mess at the bottom of the, these boots. I don't know what happened to it, and my heart just sank, right? Here's my board that I had. I've had for the past 20 years, and it is just no longer good anymore. And this whole week, I've been thinking about stuff, and I've been thinking about, you know, having sustained pace, and, you know, he was a perfect example of Jesus's words, right? Do not store up where moth and rust will destroy. Those of you who have been in Hawaii your whole lives, maybe you kind of look over this reality, but those of you who have moved to Hawaii and been here for more than a year know that Hawaii and the elements does something to your stuff like no other place. We have, uh, you know, picture frames that are pewter and, you know, those are totally rusted out now. And, you know, there's just all these things that Hawaii and the elements just like, you know, just wreak havoc on the stuff that we have. But the thing is, is that I think that, you know, we have a tendency, right, to move stuff and to pack stuff and to lodge stuff. And so if you have been in Hawaii for your whole life, you know, one of the things I've noticed in Hawaii and being in various homes is that we accumulate a lot of stuff here. And so you'll have, like, rooms and things that are full of it, and you have people that will, you know, put stuff out for large waste pickup, and then you have the other people that kind of circle around the neighborhoods just looking for that, like, treasured futon or whatever it is that they want to put in their house from large waste pickup. And then so there's all this stuff that can accumulate in our homes. And so uh, this week, as we explore sustained living, we're going to talk about stuff. And I think that Jesus has some clear words for us here in the Gospel of Matthew But more than that, I think that other people throughout, not more than that, but other people throughout society have been telling us about our American problem, consumerism. We gather so much stuff. I was watching a comedy thing on Netflix one time and it was this comedian talking about the stuff we accumulate. And we get so much things that we accumulate it and we accumulate and accumulate and then when we go on vacation, we just take the stuff and we throw it in the bags and then we get on vacation and we unpack the stuff and we put it back in. And then when you move, you know, you have boxes and boxes and boxes and you have like 20 coffee mugs because you need that many, right? Just in case you have 20 people over and you have 20 champagne flutes and 20 of this and we have just a lot of things in most of our houses. And uh, one of the like, trends at the beginning of the pandemic, I don't know if you knew that, was people watching another Netflix show, which was the Marie Kondo, right? And so you've been like, you know, Marie Kondo is a, a Japanese uh, woman writer and she writes about getting rid of anything in your life that doesn't bring you joy. And talking about like neatly packaging, like even like your socks and your drawers and stuff like that. So when you open it up, it feels zen and just like opens you up and frees you up. And she's not the only one that's been talking about this. I was listening to a sermon series uh, by Andy Stanley, who's the pastor um, at North Point Church in Atlanta, Georgia, and he had a sermon about declutter. And he he showed an image of a closet, which is kind of like most of our closets. And then he showed an image of a, a neatly organized Marie Kondo closet. And he talked about how there is psychological like, processes in us that goes through decision fatigue when we see so many choices so cluttered in a closet. And that slimming down your life not only can like, bring you joy like Marie Kondo, but it can literally help you live more wholly in your life because you're less tired from making all sorts of decisions. We are so tied to the things that we have. And Jesus over and over again says, follow me and not wealth. Jesus says over and over again that we ought to live a life of simplicity where the last is the first and the poor are the blessed. And God throughout the history of the Bible has done that teaching the Israelites in the wilderness that enough was good enough, that they wouldn't have to store up manna and quail so that they can have excess amounts for the years to come or the days to come, but that they would live day to day. Our prayer that we pray every single Sunday is, Lord, give me my daily bread. Not so that we can have more than enough, but so we can live with a sense of enough a sort of simple sense of who we are. And as I've kind of, uh, throughout my sort of journey and, and learning about what does it mean to live a Christian life, what does it mean to, like, you know, see some of the problems in the world, frankly, I have professors that I've had that are convinced that one of the most systemic problems of American Christianity is our need for more stuff. I mean, think, for example, environmentalists. They tell us that we are on a unsustainable pace and that we need to radically change our course. And and as much as I would want a, a politician or, you know, CEOs of companies to make the changes that are needed, I've learned a long time ago that the market is going to be driven by our personal choices, So if you're someone concerned about the environment and you should heed the voices of environmentalists saying that we as not just society but individuals have lived an unsustainable pace. We search for the cheapest products possible. You know, The Race to Zero is a book about the world economics. The more you buy, the cheaper it is. And so we try to get as much stuff for as low cost as possible, and that is just damaging our environment to no end. And so when we we think about environmentalists, we think about social justice around people that are, you know, being able to get livable wages, it's our choice for the stuff that we carry in our lives that drives those problematic things in society, I mentioned earlier that I lived in Japan when I was talking about snowboarding and uh, two of the lessons that I learned when I was living in Japan, uh, first of which was I couldn't understand why things were just so expensive there. And not only that, but my friends who, you know, just had regular jobs and weren't like, you know, millionaires or anything, but my Japanese friends that they were, you know, getting these hobbies, they would surf or snowboard or some of the things that they did and, and they would just buy these, you know, new sets, and and they were just so expensive, and I was like, you know, in America, we try to get the cheapest deal, right, and we try to shop around to get it. Rarely would I walk into a retail store and just buy it straight off the shelf, but that's what they had done, and it took me a little while. I thought they were just, like, throwing their money away until I realized that, you know. I have, you know, a snowboard, a surfboard, I have tennis rackets, I have, you know, roller skates for ice ho- or for uh, roller hockey, and I have all these different things because I have like 20 different hobbies, I can't choose one. But there, my friends chose one thing. So they were like the snowboarder, or the surfer, or the, you know, bird watcher even, because you go into the section of the Japanese store and they have these like, giant binoculars and you see the old guy walking through the parks and he's like, that was his thing, You know, we in the United States, we have a number of things that we like to pick up as our hobbies. Just the other day, I was talking to a friend. I think they were back, uh, well, they were visiting Hawaii from, um, it was one of Ashley's friends. And so the husband was asking me because we were out in the lawn and face masks. He's like, what are your hobbies? And I was like, well, you know, surfing with the kids and, you know, surfing with the kids. (laughs) And he like looked at me like, well, you're not doing more than that? It's the idea that having one thing isn't enough for us. And we have to have all of these things. And last week we talked about that pace, remember? And I think that our need to have more and more all the time drives that unsustained pace. But also unsustained environmental, social impact, all those. So that's one of the lessons that I learned when I was living in Japan. The other lesson that I learned when I was living in Japan is that they did not have the need to buy more. <laughs> it, it was the craziest thing. And I think I've mentioned this before to us, that you know, in the States, you can go to Costco and you get something cheaper, right? And it was so ironic because I would like, go and like, try to buy like a larger thing of soda or a larger thing of toilet paper or whatever it was, and, and I would do the math because that's what I do in stores. I'm crazy like that. But I would do the math and it wouldn't save me any more to buy the 12-pack versus the 2-pack. And it was just mind-blowing to me because that was just not the way it was in the United States. You buy two, you pay almost twice the amount. You walk into the store and it's like, okay, well, a dollar more will get me this much more and a dollar less will get me this much less or uh, so much less. And so like the way we buy even kind of drives this more the better. And Jesus calls us to not build up more, not store up our earthly treasures where moths and rust will eat and destroy or thieves will come and steal, but store up our treasures in heaven. Friends, now is a good time to be thinking through the stuff that we have one of the things I've learned about distance learning with my kids is that there's things at schools that I took 100% for granted. They're called janitors. <laughs> I didn't realize how much of a mess the kids make just in a day of doing school. Whether it's the, the eraser shavings that they like throw all over the ground, or the snack crumbs that are all by their feet, you know. when they sit kind of like in the area for their distance learning, it's just like a mess. Ashley and I are like vacuuming over and over again just to try to clean up after them. And what we've also realized is that we just have more stuff than we need. And so we've been working together to kind of downsize the things in our lives just for the sanity of keeping it clean because more people are at home more often. It's not just about living simply, like just Marie Kondo style. I truly believe that if we care less about the amount of money that we spend and what we spend it on, that we might have a larger impact. You know, we're in partnership with uh, uh, Tandana Foundation and a woman that we have as a church uh, sponsored with a scholarship to go to business school, Well, she creates like fabrics and she creates uh, uh, sort of these like um, indigo dye type stuff and they're, they're really awesome. But you know, sometimes to go through the hassle of working with an individual and sending them over to us, sometimes they might cost a little bit more. But the thing is, is that it could go directly to someone that needs the support, directly to that relationship. Shopping uh, at a farmer's market surely sometimes will spend more money than going to the grocery stores, but supporting our local farmers does less, one supports local economy, but it also creates less of an environmental impact of shipping our food all across the globe where, you know, our pork comes from China and, you know, the vegetables come from, you know, wherever. Living locally, knowing where your products come from, buying less. These are ways in which we can live out our faith. Live out a faith that lives more simply. Because we're not going to be able to live in a world where we can't buy stuff. That's not what Jesus is telling us. But perhaps we don't need to get more and more and more. Perhaps we can live a bit more simply. And you can talk to friends that are doing work in plastics, they're doing work in all sorts of things, and honestly, one of the things is the habit of consumption. So I don't know if it's just not buying something this week, (laughs) other than food. I don't know what it is for you, or maybe it's downsizing. But how might you live more simply so that we might simply live? How might we be conscious of where our products come from and who's making them? So a decision between buying five of one and one of the other might not be just about economics, but about supporting those who create those goods. In our everyday life, We can change our practices. We can change our purchasing habits. We can live into Jesus' call to live more simply. We can seek out justice. We can do so much through our regular habits and just really looking at how we consume. I want to challenge you this week. Take something. Declutter. Make life easier. Think about where you're getting your things. Maybe not buy something. Something to live into this invitation that Jesus calls us to. Just don't store up stuff where moth and rust will destroy. I invite you to pray with me.